Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. It's MASH Matters, the podcast celebrating the greatest television show of all time. I'm Ryan Patrick, alongside my friend, Mr. Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Ryan Patrick. Um, It's nice being alongside you, even though we're thousands of miles apart. We are uh, technologically alongside each other. (laughs) Yes, we are. Isn't technology grand? It is grand. I mean, it really is when you think about it, that we can actually do this and make it work. Mm -hmm. It enables us to do this podcast and bring all this wonderful MASH information to everybody. I think it's good. I may just invest in the internet. (laughs) Has it gone public yet? (laughs) I I don't know. I'll have to call my my stock broker and see. Sell your stock and pioneer aviation and buy everything in the internet. That's what you need to do. Now, before we get on with this MASH, Thing. Did I tell you I bought an Apple Watch? No. No, you didn't. I'm sorry, everybody. You have to wait just a second. This is so exciting. I forgot to tell Ryan before we, you know, sometimes we talk a bit before we do this, but I'm so excited I bought an Apple Watch, Yeah. but I can't get it until the end of October, and it's just got me crazy. Yeah, I couldn't decide whether I wanted the big Apple Watch or the smaller one. It's the 44 and the 40 uh, centimeters, Mm -hmm. and you can't go into the Apple store to try it on because the Apple store is closed because of that stupid virus thing. So I had to order two of them, and I'll pick one, and the other one I'll send back. Now, don't tell anybody that I'm going to do that. I feel bad about doing that. I thought you were going to say you'll pick one and then send one to a lucky listener. (laughs) I thought that's what you were about to say. You were about to make some big announcement that was going to get us thousands of new listeners to the podcast. But uh, I understand you probably want a refund. I get it. Hey, I'll think about that listener thing. You know, I mean, <laughs> if it gets us thousands, oh, what the heck? Okay. You got an old broken watch in the drawer you could send to a listener? <laughs> I'll put a leather band on a real apple and send it out there. Here's your apple watch. <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoy your. I, I enjoy mine. I have one too. I, oh, you do? I do. I, I, but it's one of the older ones. I, I is yours one of the new ones? The brand new six. The the series yeah. six. Yeah, I'm so excited. I think mine's a three. So yours is twice as good as mine. Yeah. So did you get the uh, 44 or the 40? The big boy or the smaller? I've got the 44. Okay. I'm I'm a big boy. Okay. I'm a hefty guy. So I was afraid that <laughs> yeah. the other one would look too petite on my massive wrist. Yeah. Some people have said, well, if you put it on there, it's going to look feminine, Jeff. And I. I said, I don't care. What do I care? I am not threatened by uh, my feminine wrist. (laughs) Well, this has been episode 49 of Apple Matters. Thank you for tuning in. (laughs) Thank you for indulging me, ladies and gentlemen, and kids around the world. All right. We are going to get into a lot of listener questions and voicemails. One that I didn't let you know about, Jeff, that just came in the day of this recording. You know, we're in the middle of football season, and Kevin Wizardo sent us a a message on Facebook and said, hey, I was watching the football game yesterday, and the announcers called the name of a Georgia defensive back. I couldn't believe my ears, but I looked it up, and it was true. I wonder if his parents were fans. They had to be, right? The defensive back who plays for Georgia, no joke, his name is Major Burns. <laughs> That's his name. Is that a first and last name or is it just... First name Major, last name Burns. Wow. How do yeah. you like them potatoes? Yeah. My gosh. No wow. idea if his middle name is Frank. I don't know. I, you know, <laughs> I, I dream that it is, but I mean, come on. Major Burns is Major his name. Burns. Thank you, Kevin, for alerting us to that here in the middle of football season. You wonder how much agony he went through as a young boy growing up with that name. Well, if he's playing for Georgia, he's probably a big boy. So I'm I'm going to guess, yeah, you know, he's, he's big or fast. 
guest or whatever, I probably yeah. would not want to call him Ferret Face. Would you? <laughs> yeah. No, wouldn't, wouldn't no. dare. Wouldn't dare. Another shout out I want to do here is to Kyle Hazard. Kyle Hazard is an artist, amazing artist, and he did an incredible piece of fan art of you, Jeff. It was a, a vintage pulp fiction novel cover. An Igor Straminsky mystery. The weenie was creamed at midnight. <laughs> I loved it. It was so awesome. Didn't you? I th- I just stared at it. I still look at it. It's on my computer. I, I look at it. He did a tremendous job. He really did. Not only creating this real fun environment, but capturing the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, he captured my eyes, my look, and that feeling that I used to do and used to have when I do the character. Mm-hmm. He really did. I, so my hat's off to you. It's great. Yeah. He, we posted it to social media. You can also uh, see it in our show notes for this episode, episode 49. And uh, you can follow him, uh, Kyo Hazard, K-Y-O-H-A-Z-A-R-D on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can find him at kyohazard.com. Really talented, talented artist. We also have another shout out to uh, Biohazard, which is a wonderful guy. <laughs> he, well, I don't go, go into it now. We've He's been getting a lot of work lately, too. Very busy. Very, very busy. We're still getting feedback on our Alan Alda interview. From uh, Seth Jonas from New York City. I hope everything is good in New York City, Seth. Mm -hmm. What an amazing interview, says Seth. A couple of years ago, Alan tweeted that he was going to be on the Today Show that morning, and I happened to be friends with a producer there. Well, fancy dancy, aren't you, Seth, being friends with a producer there? I emailed her that I am a big MASH fan and so cool he's going to be on the show. She emails me back, says, well, do you want to meet him? (laughs) Just get down to the studio ASAP. Of course, I dropped everything and got down there. He was so nice and was such a thrill to meet him. A few months later, I moved my office to a shared office space. And wouldn't you know it, but Alan's communication company also has an office at the same space. Of course, I've seen him a bunch of times since he's always so gracious when I see him. He was my childhood hero, and he totally continues to live up to that. Can't wait to see him at some point when life gets back to normal to tell him how much I enjoyed the interview. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Seth. That's really cool. How cool. Yeah, it was a wonderful interview, and we love talking to him, and hopefully we'll do that in the future sometime as well. And I'm glad that it worked out for you, Seth, because a lot of people say don't meet your heroes because sometimes your heroes let you down, but it sounds like meeting uh, Alan was uh, just exactly what you dreamed it to be. And I have not had the pleasure yet of meeting Alan. I've met several of the cast members. I've met Mike and Jamie and uh, Loretta and Bill Christopher and you, of course, Jeff, but I've I've yet to meet Alan. So I'm hoping that uh, Seth, maybe I can just uh, come to your sh- your place and uh, hang out in your office <laughs> yeah. for a few hours and meet Alan that way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Seth, for your kind words about the interview. All right, moving on. Jenna Esh. Jenna sent us a picture a while back of her rabbit watching MASH. I don't know if you remember that, Jeff. Chester the Bunny watching MASH. Yeah. That was a while back. But Jenna wrote us again. She says, I was looking through my desk the other day and found this. My coworker at the time and I always talked about MASH, and we came up with the Benjamin Franklin Pierce administration if he won the 2016 election. Since it's an election year, thought your listeners might enjoy this. It includes also characters from the A-Team, WKRP in Cincinnati, and Night Court too. but all the MASH characters are involved. Keep up the good work. So this is Jenna's proposed cabinet for the President Benjamin Franklin Pierce administration. He would be the second U.S. bachelor president. 
His vice president would be John Francis Xavier McIntyre. His primary Secret Service A-team would be headed up by Frank Burns and would be filled out with the remainder of the (laughs) A-team. Presidential advisors, Sidney Friedman and Francis Mulcahy. Private secretary, Jennifer Marlowe, which would be Lonnie Anderson from WKRP. Mm -hmm. White House press secretary, Walter Eugene O'Reilly. White House chef, Igor Straminsky. Hey, I I made it. I made it. I'm so excited. Department of Domestic Affairs and Honorary First Lady, Maxwell Q. Klinger. (laughs) Department of Defense would be Zelmo Zale. Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms would be Henry Blake. (laughs) Department of Treasury, Luther Rizzo. Department, no, wait a minute. Luther Rizzo? Shouldn't he be transportation, like Secretary of Transportation? Treasury? Kiss off the economy. Department of International Affairs, Margaret Houlihan. Department of Homeland Security, Samuel Flagg, of course, Colonel Flagg. Department of Education, Kelly Yamato. Attorney General, Charles Emerson Winchester III. Surgeon General, Sherman T. Potter. And appointed Supreme Court Judge, the Honorable Harold T. Stone, presiding from Night Court. So that is Jenna Esch's presidential administration for Benjamin Franklin Pierce. So yes, is it too late, Jeff, to write in Hawkeye for president? I don't think so. We might as well. What the heck? (laughs) I don't think it's going very well anyway, so just write in a name. Who knows? Anything can happen. So yeah, go ahead. Write in Hawkeye. That would be fun. But enough talk about politics. Enough of that. Let's get back to some more listener questions. Yes, from Ryan Vanis, or Vanis, Varanice. I don't know which, but (laughs) Ryan Vanis, I'll say. For some reason, I noticed the variety of nurse extras in episodes I've been watching recently. How did they get the extras? Uh, Were most associated with folks on the cast and crew, or did they come from an agency? Thanks a bunch, fellas. Cool. Well, okay. I'll tell you. The show used to breed them uh, and keep them in a little kind of a corral-ish kind of thing. It was covered. Uh, They were fed, bathed, uh, clothed, (laughs) but they were bred so that they looked just like the show wanted them. Okay, go ahead, Ryan. I don't know where to go from there. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd know either. Uh, Well, okay, here's how extras are are born. (laughs) Uh, When a mommy extra and a daddy extra love each other very very, much. Very, very much. And they have some quiet time. (laughs) Extras come from a casting. It used to, I'll go back to the way it used to work. I'm not real sure how it works right now. I know there are agencies that cast extras. Mm -hmm. There was an agency that was uh, specifically engaged in casting extras. However, there was also an uh, an extras office dedicated at 20th Century Fox to casting extras. That's one of the casting positions that I held at 20th Century Fox. I started as a casting director casting extras in that extra casting office. And we cast all the apes and Planet of the Apes and uh, um, everybody in all the TV shows, including the movie MASH. The way it works is that if you want to be an extra the way it used to work, you signed up and then you would call the extra casting office at 10 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock or whatever. And all the extras would call, or maybe it was like four in the afternoon when they would get off doing other stuff, but they'd call and they'd just say their name. So they'd call up and say, I say, casting. And somebody say, uh, Ryan Patrick. And you say, no, call back. Mm -hmm. What that means is we didn't have all of the shows in with their extra orders. (laughs) It's weird. Because, you know, they, they they would say we want uh, six blondes and four brunettes and, you know, four people who can ride horses and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so 
our job was to know kind of all those people who were calling in. So if we said, hey, we need a thing, a guy that can ride a horse and, and you know, work a shotgun and do things while he's riding, and we know Ryan Patrick can do that, when Ryan Patrick calls in, I say, casting, Ryan Patrick. Yeah, Ryan, uh, 7 a.m. tomorrow morning uh, at the studio, rain or shine, uh, bring your shotgun. Yeah. That's what would happen. And you'd come the next day at 7 o'clock and do that. Yeah. Now, that's what was going on at the time. Eventually, 20th Century Fox abandoned that office because it became too expensive. And so another agency kind of took over the process of casting extras. With that agency, you go and you'd sign up and you'd take them a picture and you'd give them a brief kind of, you know, description of who you are and what you like to do and what your abilities were, if you had any. (laughs) And uh, they would keep that on file and kind of the same thing would go on. I think eventually they got into the situation where they would actually call the people. We did that too sometimes in the office. But if you're looking for a job, you'd get off on one. You know, one was finished and you'd call up the casting office and say, hi, uh, Ryan Patrick. And they say, no, no, call back, call back. Or, well, yeah, we got another job. And that's the way it happens. And that's the way extras get on shows. Gotcha. Now, after that, when a show is working like MASH was and it was successful and you knew that it was going to be on for another 13 weeks, the assistant directors would get to know various people and sometimes handpick them. Mm-hmm. So on a day, let's say Tuesday, it's, you know, they, everybody's finished shooting. And so the, the assistant director would go to those people and say, hey, you're back tomorrow, seven o'clock. Yeah. So they wouldn't have to go through that process. They'd know they were back. Mm-hmm. And it did become a relationship thing. A lot of the assistant directors would know people and they'd like them. And, you know, you like to hang around with people that you like. So they would kind of repeatedly have those extras back. And so sometimes those familiar faces that you see, even though they didn't say anything, were people who did the job. Everybody liked them. And so they would be hired over and over and over. And that's how extras are born. Well, Bob Steinkamp also has another question about extras. He says, hey, Jeff and Ryan, I love the podcast. Plus, Ryan, I used to live in your neck of the woods. I went to Southern Illinois University in the early 1970s. Hey, Bob, go Salukis. So during the mess tent scenes, while Hawkeye and company are acting, the extras are in the background yakking away. What do they talk about? Or are they just (laughs) pretending to talk? I I don't think I can answer that. I talk too much with that last answer. So am I allowed, Ryan, to- Yeah, yak away, Jeff. (laughs) Yak away. Or you can just pretend to talk, too. You can do that, too. Whatever you want to do. You won't know I am doing it, though, because you can't see me. (laughs) You know, if they are in a scene where there are other actors who are being photographed- and the other actors are talking, there would be an effort to talk quietly mm-hmm. or kind of fake talking. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, the expressions that you see are kind of just real things that you see that you would do normally that you'd visually recognize as some kind of conversation, but you wouldn't necessarily have to hear the words, like facial expressions and things. But for the most part, if there's a scene and you can see people behind the actors who are doing the scene and somebody's talking, they're talking very quietly. 
because you, they'll be heard and you don't want to pick them up. Are they actually carrying on a conversation or are they saying watermelon over and over and over again? Uh, I, that's kind of up to them. Sometimes they can carry on some kind of little goofy conversation mm-hmm. or they're saying watermelon over and over again. Usually they might say, oh, I love the, I, the coffee. Can I have some coffee? Oh, yeah, I love the coffee. Oh, yeah. Really? You know, your hair looks really nice. Oh, right. Thank you very much. <laughs> So they're 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 doing it very quietly so that they don't interfere with the acting. And you too can be an extra if you sign up for our <laughs> new class, Jeff and Ryan Talk Extra. <laughs> you know, it's not a bad thing to do. It's not a it's not a bad job to get, even if you're in local areas, you're not sitting in Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can find some agency or some organization that casts extras or would like to have those people on file. And you should go to them and say, Here, you know, this is my name, there's one. Am, here's my phone number and how do I do this? And you can work yeah. and you have a good time and you get to hang out on a movie set or a TV show or something. It's very interesting. Most of it is sitting around. Yep. So you will sit around for hours and then maybe you'll get 20 minutes, you'll get up and you know, you'll be in the coffee shop scene and then you'll go home. But uh, it's pleasant sitting around and most of the people who are doing it are of like mind. So you'll have a good time and you'll meet a lot of people. It can be very social. And uh, who knows, you might turn into, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jeff Maxwell. It, not just in L.A. If, if a movie is filming near you in your area, there's an opportunity sometimes for you to be an extra. I was almost an extra in a movie that filmed here. There was a movie that was made a few years ago called Gone Girl <gasps> with uh, Ben Affleck and um, Rosamund Pike. David Fincher directed it. Well, they shot part of that here in our area. So there was an online place where you could sign up to be an extra. And then I got a call later that day saying, Hey, can you be here at this certain time? Bring these clothes with you. Uh, you may or may not get used, but uh, we'll pay you for the day. Okay. So I, I showed up and I had all my clothes and basically, yeah, I sat in a big room with all the other extras and I never got used, oh. but it was still kind of cool because I got to see, you know, there was always constantly crew coming in and out. I got lunch out of the deal and David Fincher was there in the room with us when we were having lunch. So even though he was like three tables away talking to his team, I can say that I had lunch with David Fincher. Mm-hmm. But it was neat to watch the movie then and see some of the extras who were sitting in that room with me who were used. Mm. It was an interesting experience. And I think I got like 50 bucks for the day. Mm-hmm. That was my brush with being in a major motion picture. Yeah, cool. Well, that's neat. Yeah, you, you, that, you reminded me of the fact that yes, in your various areas, they will put a, an ad in a newspaper or something say, hey, we're going to shoot a movie. You want to be an extra, you know, call this number, send in some stuff. Yeah. It's a really cool thing to do. I would I would advise anybody to do it because it's fun. Also, if you get to Los Angeles, I was babbling on and I forgot the name of this company. It's, it's called Central Casting. Yeah. And Central Casting has been around a long time and they are the big kahunas in terms of casting extras. So if you get to Los Angeles, you want to do it, look up Central Casting and they'll tell you how to you know register with them. Very cool. All right. And uh, moving along to Tim Tupper. Tim Hi, Jeff and Ryan. MASH matters to me because it shows that comedy can ease people through tough times, even when it's hell. Oh, boy. I myself am a nurse of 15 years and often use humor at the hospital. I try to put smiles on my patients' faces, and I also play a lot of practical jokes on the staff. (laughs) Sometimes it gets everybody laughing. Sometimes I have to run and hide for a little bit. (laughs) I don't doubt that. I was wondering, uh, we see the swamp. Potter's tent, Margaret's tent, Father Mulcahy's tent, Clinger's tent, and the nurse's tent. 
Where did the enlisted personnel sleep? Where did Igor sleep? Thanks for the podcast. I listen to you guys all the time in my car, and I haven't fallen asleep at the wheel yet. <laughs> Just kidding. Pray that you all stay safe with all this COVID stuff. Well, thank you very much, and the same to you as well, Kim. Um, where did well Igor slept around? So that's technically. <laughs> I, uh, that's as far as I can go. <laughs> it's true though. We never do see where the enlisted personnel sleep and why, why, why does Klinger have his own tent? <laughs> yeah. Good question. Yeah. yeah. That's a good question. Very good question. Yeah. I listened personnel. Where'd they sleep? You, you got me. I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. I guess they didn't get much sleep because we didn't see. They slept in their trailers. That's where they slept. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Tim. Other than Igor slept around, I can't answer the question. I have no idea. Well, speaking of sleeping in tents, we have a voicemail from Anita. Hi, my name is Anita Reba. I am from South China, Maine, and I have been watching MASH for years and years. Absolutely love the show. Um, I do have a question. It's kind of a two-part question. One part was when they were filming the MASH TV show, did any of the cast ever actually stay out there at the site in the tents at all? Just curious. And the second part of my question was if anybody knows if any of the cast has ever gone back to the filming site because it was such a probably very large part of their life and actually put them on the map, so to speak. Anyway, love the people, love the cast, um, and thank you. Uh, Shall I answer that? (laughs) Well, I don't know the answer, so I think of the two of us, you're the only one who can answer the question. Yes. Uh, I'll give it a shot. (laughs) Well, yes, the cast has gone back to the ranch. A few of them, I know that Mike Farrell was, I know that I was, I know that Loretta went. There was a function out there a number of years ago. I think it was kind of a money-raising situation or something. I kind of don't remember the exact reason we were out there, but we were. And I do know that Mike and Loretta and myself were there. I don't remember other people, although they may have been there. And I've been back a couple of times. I've, I've walked to the, it's about a mile and a half or two mile walk from the beginning of the of the park area there mm-hmm. into the set area. So it's kind of fun. You walk in there and, and it's a neat walk and you see all kinds of stuff. They used to have other sets. Planet of the Apes had sets out there. I don't know whether it's still there. I think they burned down, but there were things to walk by on the way to the mash portion of it. There were other things to see as well. And it's a fun walk, good exercise. So yeah, a couple of people have been at back there. It's fun. Uh, all the tents are gone. But they did, uh, and probably people who are listening to this have been out there and so know it better than I do. But I do know that they marked off places where the tents were and, you know, have various uh, indications of what you're looking at and so forth. So it's if you ever get a chance to do it in California, do it. It's fun. And if you're a MASH fan, you'll sort of, once you get there, you'll get your bearings and you look around. You go, oh, yeah, that's where the hell got. Oh, yeah, that's where that. That's on my bucket list. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Come out here, Ryan. We'll go out there and we'll have uh, creamed weenies for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of anybody sleeping there, probably not. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't real pleasant inside those tents, outside. Um, They were just there basically for the skeleton of the set. And inside was kind of pretty dirty. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so you you wouldn't necessarily want to stay in there, but it's kind of a good idea. It might be a good uh, bed and breakfast idea, actually. Oh, you know, there you go. Yeah. Stay out there. Mm-hmm. But as far as I know, I don't know anybody who would stay out there because it wasn't wasn't real clean. <laughs> <laughs> or at least admit to staying out there. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, hey, thank you to Jack. Uh, Jack emailed us some photos that he took from the Bourbon County Citizen, which is the official newspaper of Paris, Kentucky. Evidently, the local boat landing there in uh, Paris, uh, formerly known as Paris Landing, has a new name. The new owners, Donna and Ralph Quillen, have renamed it Captain Tuttles. <laughs> and this is from the article. This article was written by Pat Conley in the uh, Bourbon County Citizen. And I quote, and now for the explanation, turns out Ralph wants you to find out for yourself on the internet, maybe, or better yet, by visiting him and Donna down at the creek sometime. There's a little Tuttle in all of us, Ralph teases. <laughs> Meantime, here's wishing many years of success and community service to Captain Tuttles, whatever it means. Well, we all know what it means. And thank you, Jack, for letting us know and uh, best of luck to Ralph and Donna. Uh, in related news, I feel like Hawkeye reading the Crabapple Cove Courier to Disinterested Wounded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Tuttle. Yeah. <laughs> He's everywhere. He's, He's everywhere. everywhere. He's everywhere. <laughs> well, from Monica O'Brien, Monica says, I'm listening to your latest episode and you are talking about setting up a mashed dating service. <laughs> we were? Did we really talk about that? <laughs> we didn't talk seriously oh, about doing okay. it. We were just joking about All it. All right. I can tell you, uh, I met my husband in college, and one of the things we bonded over was MASH. We now have two sons who watch the reruns with us. Wow. Well, it, it I guess MASH worked there, too. When a mommy MASH fan and a daddy MASH fan love each other very much, <laughs> they have two sons who watch reruns with you. Speaking of that dating service, Sue Ann Alderai, she also chimed in and said, after listening to the episode, I think you should call the dating app Mashed Together. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's yeah. cute. That's yeah. really sweet. We're not really setting up a Mashed dating service, but if somebody else wants to do that, we are available to be paid spokespeople for the Mashed dating service. Shamelessly. <laughs> From Andrea, hi, Jeff and Ryan. The episode Moral Victory was on television the other night, and I have to say it was one of my favorite episodes featuring David Ogden stars. Well, your favorite episode, too. It's one of them, yeah. yeah. John Rappaport's favorite episode as well. Mm-hmm. It isn't often Major Winchester shared his softer side, and it was perfect for him to share his love of music in a way no other character could. When I was younger, I used to play piano. In high school, I broke my right hand in a skiing accident. I remember feeling quite stupid as I would sit and practice the left-hand section of my pieces. I had an upcoming competition in the spring and really didn't want to participate. I felt like I wouldn't be ready. Then I saw that episode and I no longer felt that stupid. While I didn't score as high as I hoped, I still made it through, playing with both hands, although my right hand was still somewhat weak. I don't play anymore, but when I see that episode on television, I smile as it is a great lesson in how to persevere. If you have never heard the complete Ravel, it is a wonder piece. Here's looking up your old address, Andrea. Well, 
that's really cool. I, you know, what struck me there is I wonder why she doesn't play anymore. You know, Andrea sent this email to us before we started talking about Winchester back in episode 47 when I picked some of my favorite scenes. And we put it out on Twitter and Facebook. Hey, what are your favorite Winchester moments? And we had so many responses, people sharing their love for Winchester, which warmed my heart because he's my favorite character from the show. And some of the other moments that people were talking about, there was the candid talk that he had with Hawkeye about their fathers in the episode Sons and Bowlers. My father's a good man. He always wanted the best for me. But where I have a father, you have a dad. Charles, you never told me anything like this before. Actually, Hawkeye, I've never told you anything before. That's a moment that I love too and and probably should have put in my top three, but it was tough to pick those moments. Other favorite moments, playing the French horn and the smell of music, helping Margaret after she loses her voice and say no more, getting his uh, toboggan cap from home and dear sis, giving the book of poetry to Margaret in the finale. And of course, Loretta has shared the story that David wrote his personal phone number in that book. And that's, that's what she saw when she opens up and reads the inscription. He was very private, so that was a cool moment for her. And then... Many people brought up this classic line. Gentlemen, I do one thing at a time. I do it very well. And then I move on. <laughs> and morale victory. That he, um, I'm trying to remember the, the uh, line we talked with uh, John Rappaport about that he was very excited about. Uh, you can play the notes, but or I can play the notes, but you can play the music. Yes. Let's play the clip. Yeah. <laughs> I have hands, David. Hands that can make a scalpel sing more than anything in my life. I wanted to play, but I do not have the gift. I can play the notes, but I cannot make the music. You've performed Liszt, Rachmaninoff, Chopin. Even if you never do so again, you've already known a joy that I will never know as long as I live. Okay. <laughs> well, that settles that. Um, hey, hello to our friend Lucas Lance. Lucas is in Slovakia. And uh, Lucas reached out to us a while back and uh, asked if we would participate in an interview for his uh, website that he works for over there in Slovakia. And we did. We spent, I think, we spent about an hour with Lucas a little while back. And he has published that interview on his website. Part of it is in English. The other part is in uh, Slovakian language, Slavic. Uh, I think I'm much more interesting in the Slavic language than I am in English. <laughs> he actually emailed this to us before we did our interview with him, and he asked us several questions. And I believe that we answered all of those questions in our interview with him, except for this one. He said in one of the episodes, I think it was with Kelly, you mentioned that you were not on set for the final day of shooting. Can you explain why? I would expect that all people would be there no matter what. What was the reason? That's a great question, and uh, I don't have an answer for it, unfortunately. I uh, was not um there <laughs> uh, you were not called you were not part of the the shooting that I, I day was right not, you... i was not part of the shooting that day and so for some reason it probably escaped me that the entire show was over six o'clock the, the next night mm -hmm. and i may have had something else to do it's possible that may have uh you know taken my attention away mm -hmm. but i i regret it I feel very badly that I wasn't. Uh, nobody reminded me of it. <laughs> I think that, you know, that last week, people were pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> there was a lot of emotions and there was a lot of disconnections and people weren't behaving as exactly like everybody normally would have. And mm-hmm. everybody wasn't right on the top of their game reminding, you know, hey, how are you? I remember that. Hey, don't forget the da da da. I think people were very, very into their own heads and kind of really uh, focused on not falling apart. Uh, whereas at another moment in time, somebody may have reminded me, hey, tomorrow night, don't forget, we're having the uh, the, the uh, barbecued ribs, so don't, don't forget being there. But that week was kind of weird, so that's probably what happened. And, and you only had about 500 members of the press there on yeah. the site, too, who were constantly hounding everybody and wanting to get a piece of you. And sure, yeah, what a, what a strange, odd week that was. Yeah, it was. It was emotional. It was, uh, it was a very serious kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I, I feel bad. I, I regret not being there. But hey, uh, you know, everybody got along without me. So what the heck? Thanks a lot, Lucas, for bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me go slip my wrist here and I'll be right with you. Well, while you're doing that, I'm going to read yeah. this from uh, Megan. <laughs> Ryan and Jeff, hello, hello, hello. My name is Megan. I'm 31 from Wisconsin. I know many people share my sentiment, but I'd love to share my story with you. My parents divorced when I was seven and my brother James was five. Our dad introduced us to MASH and James and I were hooked instantly. The show saved our lives. Dad was an abusive alcoholic and we lived in a 400 square foot one bedroom apartment. James and I shared the bedroom and dad slept in the living room on a fold out couch amongst a sea of beer cans. Every night at 10.05 to 11.05, James and I would turn our TV on low and watch and laugh together. We know every episode by heart, and MASH has kept my brother and I close. When communication becomes challenging, MASH keeps us together. We cried with you, we laughed with you, and we grew up with you. Twice a year, I put in my MASH DVDs and let them play in the background while I live my life, until I get to the finale, and then I make a day of it. I cook a traditional Korean meal, I'm a private chef, and I get a glass or four of wine, (laughs) and I stop to enjoy the finale. Thank you, Megan. What a sweet message. And she runs a place called The Vintage Kitchen. She is a private chef. So if you're in the La Crosse, Wisconsin area, uh, look up Megan at The Vintage Kitchen. Uh, Does she deliver? (laughs) Maybe I'll call her. I did tell her the next time she watches the finale and she has this big Korean meal that she needs to invite us over. Absolutely. So we're going to lacrosse. <laughs> okay. And Greg from New Jersey uh, left us this wonderful voicemail. Greg, take it away. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Jeff. Uh, this is Greg calling from Atlanta County, New Jersey. We're in the southern portion of the state. Lots of uh, beaches and trees here. Anyway, I'm calling to say thank you for getting me through this pandemic. I discovered the podcast about two weeks into the shutdown and finally got caught up on all the episodes uh, last week. My dad served in Vietnam, and my earliest memories are of us watching the show during the first run. Often I would sit on his lap, and then through syndication. Once it hit syndication, I have vivid memories of my dad leaving for work at 4 in the morning and returning home about 6 o'clock at night. We would always eat dinner together as a family, and then he would sit on the recliner and fall asleep watching MASH from 7 to 8. I would be right there with him. It is now 2020, and not much has changed. My dad is 72 years old, still works long, grueling hours. But I can say without a doubt, when I visit him and my mom, MASH is always on the TV. Also, at the beginning of the shutdown, my 10-year-old son, Cash, started watching the show on Hulu. We watched every single episode together, and to see him laugh at the comedy while also being affected by the drama was just an incredible bonding experience for us. He is now on his fourth or fifth trip around the series. 
he did this with the show The Office as well. And at first, I was a little concerned about it, watching the same series over and over and over. But Cash suffers from anxiety. COVID has exasperated this condition. What experts in the field have discovered is that people who suffer from anxiety tend to watch their favorite shows over and over and over again. They don't want to be surprised. They don't want to guess what's going to happen next. So to see the comfort he gets from watching MASH over and over just fills my heart and makes me somewhat uh, emotional. On reflection, I have to wonder if it gave my dad the same comfort. I can't ask him because he doesn't talk about his feelings, and really he never talks about Vietnam. But there is one thing that he told me and my brother, that the sound of chopper blades became the sound of angels to him when he was there. Thank you, Ryan, for your knowledge and treating the series with such TLC and respect. Thank you, Jeff, for the behind-the-scenes info. But more importantly, thank you for being open to learn, appreciate, and accept why MASH matters to so many of us. The change in your understanding from Episode 1 of the podcast to the most recent is just incredible. Thanks, guys. Here's looking up your old address. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. Well... It's really hard to say anything after that. I mean, I would I would like to because I certainly like to hear myself talk, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel I don't know the words. I know. I mean, I can relate to something he said in there, you know, his son Cash watching MASH again, along with some of his other shows like The Office, because during this crazy time, that familiarity is so important. You know, it's important to go back and, and find the things that you love and, and relive them. I can relate to that because I've found myself doing the same thing during this pandemic. When you're stuck at home, it can drive you a little batty. And so you do seek out those things that you love because you don't necessarily have the energy to devote to something new. So I'm going, of course, I'm watching MASH, but I am going back and watching The Office. And I just started another rewatch of The West Wing, you know, because I love these shows. They bring me such joy and comfort. And when things are crazy in the world, you need those things. And I think that's why a lot of people are reaching out. We're seeing more messages like Greg's there, because right now, during this crazy time, people are going back and reliving the show and rediscovering the show or discovering the show for the first time and realizing that the show that was on in the background when their moms and dads or grandmas and grandpas watched it is a pretty awesome show to get you through this. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm just struck by the, you know, the three generations, uh, Greg, his father and his son, you know, navigating uh, their own personal issues and sort of from the perspective of MASH, which offered so much uh, richness in the form of humor, as well as themes that you could really identify with as, a, as an adult and, uh, you know, let it affect you. You know, his comment about the way these messages have affected me is very, very, very true. It has. And uh, since day one of the podcast, I have changed in my feelings about how the show affected viewers. I, I didn't know. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think you've heard other cast members say the same thing. They Nobody knew because when you're doing a television show, you were on a set. Uh, it's all not real. <laughs> It looks real, but it's not. Yeah. And the set is on a big sound stage, so you're very enclosed and protected and you you know, you don't get out a lot and then you get in there at seven in the morning and you walk out of there if you have lunch maybe, but you come back and then you go home at six o'clock at night. And it's a very protective environment and you don't really get out of your head very much and you go home and you're tired. You don't necessarily watch television all that much, eat dinner and you have a martini and you go to bed. So 
we weren't viewers. And uh, so hearing these wonderful stories, and I mean it when I say that, Greg, hearing your your emotion hits me really hard, and I hear it, and I appreciate it. I admire you for giving us this message and for being honest enough and brave enough to show us that emotion, because that's not necessarily so easy. So thank you for that, and it's uh, I thank all the listeners who have said these kinds of things from my heart, because I really understand it a lot better than I did when we first started this. So it's really kind of a a journey for me as well as uh, people who watch the show. If you would like to call and leave an emotional voicemail for Jeff to kick him square in the fields, you can do that by calling 513-436-4077. Keep your voicemail under three minutes or it will cut you off. Or you can record your voicemail and your voice recorder on your phone and you can email it to us at mashmatterspodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook. You can listen to us on YouTube, subscribe, and also leave a five star and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. All right, Jeff, another great episode uh lots of great questions some so-so answers (laughs) (laughs) yeah they were moderately good i thought (laughs) i thought that extra thing went on a little too long you know hey it's hard to describe it was a little extra you're right yeah Yeah, (laughs) all right until next time here's looking up your old address 